0: Hi, my name is Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a placement for face-to-face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we wanna see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Hi everybody. It's honest to be able to or great to be able to see you. I'm gonna be honest with you right from the get-go. Tonight it's caffeine versus jet lag, and it is a ferocious fight inside of my head. We have gone through 24 time zones in 21 days. It's sometime in the middle of the night in my brain. So I'm going to do the best I can to be coherent, but I am making no promises. And some of you have been here before when I've done jet lag sermons. It means no filter, no sensor. So put on your seatbelt. Here we go. Before we dive into it together, I want to just stop for a second. Uh, My grandpa came to Christ uh, on a television Billy Graham crusade a lot of years ago. He was at his home in Swan River, Manitoba. He tuned in. Dr. Graham preached the gospel, and that was the beginning of the spiritual legacy that we have in our family. The Bible says we're supposed to give honor to whom honor is due, and the reality is I know this. There would not be very many Smiths or Fishbooks in the family of Christ if it wasn't for Dr. Graham, and so I want to give honor where honor is due tonight. To a man who affected not only thousands, but hundreds of thousands of people. And I know uh, my words don't mean much, but I am just deeply appreciative and I wanted to make sure that on behalf of our little part of the family here at Christ the King, that we uh, expressed our gratitude publicly for the ministry of Dr. Graham and expressed our condolences to his family. So thank you for doing that with me. When you spend 24 days traveling around the world, you learn a few things. You learn that not everyone in the world understands airplane armrest etiquette. (laughs) If you don't know this, you need to know this. This is the way it works according to God's holy design. If you have a window, you don't get an armrest. If you have an aisle, you don't get an armrest. If you're in the middle, sandwiched between two human beings, you own both pieces of real estate. (laughs) And no one should ever encroach within that little 17 inches that you spent a lot of money paying for. There, I said it. You should go out and live it in Jesus' name. All right. You learn that driving in other cultures is a faith-based experience. You learn some things like sleep is nice, but it's not essential because you can also learn that God's grace is sufficient for you in any time zone. You can learn that Toilets are a character-building experience in some places in the world, and you can also learn that in America, we are unbelievably spoiled. (laughs) You can learn that working with a translator is a challenge, but it's also an incredible gift because you have no idea what you're saying and you're just praying. They're making every sermon you preach just a little bit better in whatever language they're preaching it. There's so much to learn in so little time. Laurel and I, Bruce and Janice Gustafson, Jack and Michelle Johnson, got to spend 24 days going around the world. The purpose of the trip was simple. We wanted to sit face-to-face with our global missions partners and say thank you. We went there not just to observe their ministry, but to share with them the commitment that we have as a church to walk alongside of them as they impact the world in unbelievably profound ways. So we actually went on behalf of you to share your heart and to say thank you on your behalf, for the work that they're doing in such an unbelievably heroic way. We spent time on three continents, three countries, four major cities, 24 time zones, and covered just over 40,000 air miles. But more importantly, we came face to face with hundreds, hundreds of your brothers and sisters in Christ. We laughed with them. We cried with them. We hugged. We bowed. We conquered language barriers, we listened, we learned, we taught, we shared, we prayed with and were prayed for. We struggled at times with God's purpose and sometimes asked the question, God, why are you being so quiet? We blessed and we were blessed and it was all for the sake of God's kingdom and expressing your gratitude to this amazing people. So what I want to do this weekend is pretty simple and basic. I just want to share with you some of the trips that we learned around the world. The first one is not spiritual, but it's unbelievably true. People laugh at my last name everywhere, everywhere. I got a weird last name, and apparently it's weird on at least three continents. I met a Thai pastor. His name is Pastor (laughs) Sumsuck. I thought that was kind of funny, but it was not nearly as funny as he thought the last name Fishbook was. I've never heard my name preached before, but I went to a pastor's conference in Africa where we taught all day long. And Pastor Martin, who's the local facilitator of the Pastor's Kibera Fellowship, got up in front and actually preached my last name. I brought video back, but it's so loud in that context, you can't understand a word he's saying. But basically, he said this we have a man here named Fish Book. It reminds me of scripture. You supposed to go and fish. Get new people in the kingdom, write their names down in a book. He gave you a book, fish book. We love you. I'm like <laughs> I'll post it on my Facebook. You can watch it for yourself. So I learned that people laugh at my last name and I'm just thankful that God gave me a name that apparently can make people smile in three different parts of the world. Lesson number 2, God is in the details. Our connection in Sicily actually started with a little boy named Nico. Nico was running around our commons being a little boy when I had the opportunity to meet his mom, Jennifer. Jennifer was doing what a lot of people do at Christ the King. They come here to hide, and they come here to heal. And that's what she was doing, just hiding and healing, minding her own business, She told me one day, you should meet my dad, and I did. One morning after a service, I was accosted physically and verbally by a bundle of Italian energy that now has a name, his name is Guy Sotili, the president of Italy for Christ. His passion for Italy and leadership is incredible, it's incredible. Guy told us about a man named Pastor Francesco Romeo. He's a kind, gentle, larger than life kind of a guy, but more importantly, he's a follower of Jesus. Guy said, you need to meet this guy because he's changing the city of Catania in Jesus' name. This time in Sicily, we got to minister in Francesco's church. We ate the best spaghetti carbonara I've ever had in my life in his home And we dedicated a new community center that Francesco is leading that is transforming every day, transforming refugees into missionaries, Muslims into Jesus followers, and a church into a lighthouse of hope in the the middle of one of the most broken cities that I've ever seen. And it all started with a little boy running around the commons of Christ the King Church. God taught me a lesson. Grant, you better pay attention to the details. Because I'm working stuff that you have no idea about. There are things happening in your life right now that are going to get paid forward over and over and over again, 5, 10, 15 years from now. You just need to pay attention to what God is up to. Rob and Maria Bauma, years ago, were traveling in Africa. They met a couple on a bus. They started talking. They were so impressed by the work this couple was doing in one of the poorest slums in the world that they came home and told our then missions director about this couple. The next time Shirley Storm was in Africa, she reached out, and that connection has turned into two schools with 600 plus kids in it, an orphanage that's called the Garden of Eden, which absolutely lives up to its name, and a church, and a relationship with pastors that's changing the Kabera slum from a place of brokenness to a place of hope, and it all started on a bus conversation. God is in the details, That's why the scripture says in Zechariah chapter four, do not despise the day of small beginnings. I got a question for you, church. What is God doing in the intricate details of your life that you're not even paying attention to? Do you have a big enough heart and a big enough God to actually dream that God is so in control of every single detail that even difficult stuff that comes into your life still has a purpose and a plan? Can you wrap your head around that idea? Because I want to remind you, the same God who fed 5,000 people from one small boy's offering of a lunch is also in charge of every single detail, every minute second of your existence, and God does not make mistakes, and nothing in his world goes unnoticed. He's paying attention, are we? What else do we learn? We learned the word of God speaks for itself. I could preach that one. We met countless people who were transformed by the simple power of God's world. We saw scripture being lived out on three continents in three cultures. I think the Bible's true when it says this, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Can somebody say amen to that? It stands forever. We met a former Buddhist monk who's now pastoring a church. Why? He read the Bible and it changed him. It changed him. We met a group of church planters who are completely transforming an entire province in Thailand. And when I asked them about their methodology, they're like, we're just doing Acts 2. (laughs) Like, really? Yeah. Acts 2, that's it. Our team is talking one night. She said, We just make it so complicated. What are they doing? We're just doing Acts (laughs) 2. We met heroes of the faith in Thailand who every single day were taking on principalities and the powers of darkness, and they were taking them on with the simple belief that when scripture says, Greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. They actually believe that's true. They actually believe that's true. We met a man. Who was so oppressed by demons, he had metal amulets embedded surgically into his body to try and protect his soul. He was so tormented by these demonic spirits that he would become tiger-like in his quest for peace. And he was set free because he read a book about a man who had authority to speak to demons and make them go away. And he just simply believed if Jesus could do it in the Bible, he can do it today. So bring it on. And we met him, and he's sitting there going, this is my wife. You can ask her to verify the story. We met a lady who was bent over at 90 degrees, her spine. She came to Christ and said, Jesus, I'd like to stand up straight. Everything that God does in Scripture, he still does today. The Word of God is powerful and effective. You need to be reminded that your Bible's like a lion. You don't need to defend it. You just let it out of its cage. It'll defend itself. Jet lag is feeling much better now. (laughs) Let me share another another lesson. Prayer is our common language. Prayer doesn't have a language barrier. Sicily, Africa and Thailand we prayed with and we were prayed for by our spiritual family even though we couldn't understand each other. Cried out for God, to God for revival, a revival and renewal on three different continents. We prayed together with God's family for their physical healing and they prayed for ours. We're at Liberty Church in Bangkok, Thailand. Pastor Anuparp has become a very special friend. A couple of years ago, we sat across from each other at dinner. No idea why the connection was important. This time he said, hey, when you come to, to Thailand, you should come and preach in our church. What an honor to be able to do that. I'll tell you what, he is a translator. He was on the front row. Like he was up on the front row. I stood kind of back from him about three steps because I didn't want to take a shot in the head when he was preaching my message. And I just asked him, you know what? The truth is, I have no idea what you're saying. He goes, yeah, I know, because I made your message a whole lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But at the end, they have a special time of prayer for physical healing. They invite people to come forward if they need healing. So my wife goes forward. I'd like to show you a picture of a little prayer warrior who popped in right beside her. There she is. She pulled down her little mask. She put her hand on Laurel's back and that little girl called down heaven with passion and energy and stamina. I mean, she was not gonna go away. She was gonna leave a dent on heaven's door praying for my wife. I'll tell you what, that's humbling. And that's beautiful. What a gift. What a tangible expression of call to me. I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Church, God can hear everywhere. He hears you. He heard her. He hears you. Do not buy the lie from the devil that heaven is silent. He hears you. Let's keep going. Another lesson. God's creative in his mission to reach the whole world. God is just so unbelievably creative. So we're in Sicily, and they asked us to come and to dedicate their new community center. This little community center is an incredible place of transformation where Jesus is preached. So we go to the community center in the evening, and there's a guy sitting outside of our van wearing an Arizona State University jacket, kind of stands out just a little bit. He walks over, he goes, I felt the presence of English speakers. (laughs) And he goes, Why are you here? We explained. Then I asked, Why are you here? And over the next couple of hours, we piece together his story. Clayton moved his entire family to Sicily to start a community garden. I'm like, why? He goes, Jesus told us to. Okay. (laughs) So I make an assumption. You're here doing community gardens. You probably have a background in agriculture. He's like, nope, I have no gardening experience at all, other than a small plot that we did in my backyard with my daughter. Okay, once again, why are you here? His answer was moving. The story of God starts in a garden. Jesus prayed the will of the Father in a garden. Jesus revealed his resurrection from the dead in a garden. And at the end of the book, in the center of the holy city, is a garden. So when God tells you to sell everything you have and go plant a garden in Sicily, you just go. Hey, church, what God, what's God telling you to do? You scared? Probably should be. It's okay. <laughs> Big fear, bigger God. <laughs> so for the last couple of years, God's been laying out His plan for our church to touch the world. I can tell you this. We've always known the why. It's never been debated, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We've been working on the Jerusalem part a lot with neighboring. We could have a context for Judea, Samaria, but this is all about the uttermost parts of the earth. I think that mission's pretty clear. Two years ago, Jesus revealed through an amazing set of details, the where... He told us where he wanted us to go. Italy, Africa, and Thailand. Why? Sicily is the mouth of the funnel for refugees pouring into Europe. We're partnering with people there because they believe, what if you could transform a refugee into a missionary? Wherever they go, they're going to take Jesus with them. The heart of Africa, Tanzania and Kenya, where God's pouring his heart out not only to, but through the most poor and the most neglected. And Thailand, which is the open and receptive gateway to all of Southeast Asia. God pointed us there. And this time around, God was very clear in the who. Not just where, but who. We sat face to face with every single one of these people. As I said, we prayed with them, cried with them, laughed with them. We carried your love and blessing to them. And by the way, they asked us to say thanks. Thank you for loving and supporting them these incredible heroes of the faith that that we are just so unbelievably honored to partner with. Love every single one of them. We're committed to each one of them. Before I left, I showed you pictures of some of them. I don't want to remind you of their names again. In Sicily, we're working with Guy and Sondra Sotili and Francesco and Melita Romeo. They're just these Sweet couples on the other side of the world talking about Jesus in Italian. In Africa, it's Thomas and Beatrice Amolo, John and Jacinta McAulway. Two humble couples who are just talking about Jesus in Swahili. And in Thailand, it's Leah Seracule and Pastor Sam Suck. I got the pronunciation right. <laughs> Pastor Sam Suck and his family. Leah was married to a wonderful man named Enoch Syracuse. We met Enoch two years ago, six months after we were in Thailand. He passed away of a massive heart attack. Leah, his widow, has continued on the ministry and their legacy. She works together with a team called iServe that is transforming the next generation in Thailand. I can tell you something, CTK. The dollars that we spend on global missions through these people is money very, very, very well spent they are honest, they are forthright, they're accountable, and they are making such an unbelievable difference. I'll tell you the one marker that defined every single one of these people, it was humility. It was humility. We saw that. I don't think you can fake humility. And every single one of these couples and individuals leads with humility. So we got the why, the where, and the who, and now we find ourselves at the beginning of the what. And we're only going to get started on the what this year. And then I hope and pray it continues because I want to talk to you tonight about our 2018 missions project. It's a God-sized goal and I'll be honest with you, it's too big for us. It's not too big for Jesus. We have a dream this year to plant 250 churches in the Fetchabun province of Thailand while we were in Thailand this time, last time around, we met this amazing family in Pechabun. Let me introduce them to you. There they are. There's our team standing with them. They brought us back to Bangkok, and we had an opportunity to spend some time together. So just in case you haven't met them before, this is Bruce and Janice Gustafson. There's Laurel and I, kind of tucked in the back row. This is Jack and Michelle Johnson right here. And this guy back here, his name is Dwight Martin. Um, Dwight is actually more Thai than he is white. Uh, he grew up in Thailand most of his life. His parents were missionaries there. And he freaks everybody out when this white guy all of a sudden starts speaking in perfect Thai. It's kind of fun to watch, actually. This is Pastor Samsauk, This is his son, Luke. This is his wife, Lotus. And this is uh, Mar- Martia. And this is Ju. That family, all by itself, is transforming this province in Thailand all by themselves. Dwight told me, you got to come meet these guys. Here's what they do. They go into a village. They invite everyone. They feed them, and then they do an outreach. Let me show a picture of an outreach that we actually got to be a part of one evening. This was a village that just gathered together, and they were up front doing songs, teaching Bible stories. Every single time they do an outreach, they lead people to Christ. That night, they brought some leaders with them, some of whom were only three or four weeks old in Jesus. I just come to Jesus, and all of a sudden, they're there looking after a church. Now, you'd go, well, how are we... what, what about training? They just go, let's just trust the Holy Spirit, and roll with it. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy, Acts chapter 2. So, they do an outreach. They come back within 48 hours, and they start a church. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds simple, but that's what they're doing. We saw it with our own eyes. If you don't believe me, talk to Laurel, Jack, Michelle, Bruce, or Janice. They saw it too. And then we went and actually visited some of these house churches. And we're not talking three to five people. We're talking 40 to 50 people meeting in the front of a bike shop or in a home. One church that we met, the first church we went to, they'd only met six times. Every chair was full. Probably 50 plus people there. And this team shows up, they do church, tell a story about Jesus, sing some songs. We actually sang the B-I-B-L-E in Thai. If you don't know what that is, you should Google that. It's kind of fun. Sang some songs, they told a story about Jesus, and people gave their hearts to Christ. Then they prayed for those people, invited anyone who was sick to come forward, prayed for them. And then they told them to go tell their friends about this man they'd met named Jesus. And they do. And then they come back together again, and the church is bigger. It just multiplies. We saw it multiple times. Kind of blew my mind. Because we just make things so complicated. That's the group of people. It's just like, what's your methodology? We're just doing Acts 2. Temple courts, house to house talk about Jesus, it's working. (laughs) Like, how do we not mess this up? The house churches come together for worship at a central worship center, but they never do it in place of worshiping Jesus in their own village. So like I said, it's Acts chapter two all over again. And if you don't know what that is, you should just open your Bible to Acts chapter two, read the end of the chapter. It'll tell you how this whole thing called church got started in the first place. It's kind of cool. So let me tell you just exactly what we're going to do. Because I'll tell you something, God's Spirit is moving in Thailand, and that's why we want to just get on board. So let me just show you. So God's Spirit's moving in Thailand. There's a new momentum and there's a new unity. We actually found a group of pastors that are starting to work together, kind of like we're doing here with the whole pastors praying for pastors thing. They're just doing it better than we are. The church in Thailand has doubled since the year of 2000 which is incredibly encouraging. Today, it's 450,000 believers, 5,152 churches. Now, you need to understand with the scale of people, that's still only 0.69% that's Christian. They're less than 1%. So there's an unbelievable need. Let me explain some of the need to you. So with less than 5% of Thai people having a church in their own village, you can see the red is the area with no church. Green is an area with the church. There's a lot of work to do. Here's the amazing thing to me. They've all made a commitment nationally that they're going to plant churches to turn red to green. That's just what they're up to. We're just going to do that village by village, province by province, country by country when we get there. Because this is also being used in Myanmar and Cambodia, which is really cool. So the need continues to grow. And this is what they're up against. Spiritism is a part of everyday life. In every single village, there's a place where a principality or a power rests. That's where the spiritual authority is because of what is happening inside of that particular area and because of the ethnic roots of that group together. There's a spiritual battle. Every single time Jesus is proclaimed, there is resistance that pushes back against them. And I want to remind you, this is a single family we're going to get behind. But here's the beautiful part of it. Many ties are just ready to follow Jesus because they see Jesus as the man of peace. They see Jesus is the man of hope. They see Jesus is the one that answers prayer when they call on his name. And they call with such simple faith, it's just so beautiful to watch. So we actually got an opportunity to see that. All right, next slide, if I could have it. So here's the cost. The goal is to plant 250 churches by the end of 2019. So you can't do it instantaneously because this family can't go everywhere at the same time. The cost to plant a church in Thailand is 600 bucks. Wrap your head around that for a second. $600. And most of it goes to getting there, creating a leadership team that goes back to be able to create the church. A lot of it is just those nuts and bolts kinds of things. It's also the meal that they prepare because they want to feed everybody, meet a practical need. Now here's the crazy thing. This is how we stumbled into this project. A guy in Oregon that I've never met before, I've never physically met him before, don't know who he is, I have an idea who he is. They shared a little bit of his story. saw a picture of him. But this guy um, is a part of something called Reach a Village. And he, he basically said this. Um, I'll match anything that you guys decide to do when it comes to planting this 250 churches. So he put his money where his mouth is already. And said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll match everything that you guys do, dollar for dollar. So because of that... For 300 bucks, you can plant a church in Thailand. Let's do that math. My mocha cost me about between five and six bucks. You multiply that by $52 a year, or 52 weeks a year, jet lag, sorry. 52 weeks a year, you're almost there. Some of you are like, Whew, I drink Americanos. I (laughs) think So here's my question. If you could plant a church for three hundred bucks, why wouldn't you? That's the cost. Is there another slide? I can't remember. Oh Yeah, that's why. Because God called those who are blessed to be a blessing. Next week, I'm going to show you how if you decide to be a part of this, you can actually watch week by week as the church grows. It's grown in the past three days because I've been clicking on the link. They add new believers every single day. I I could spend hours telling you stories of what we saw. I don't have the time. But that's as simple of the need as it is. So here's the dream. You can do the math. 300 bucks times 250, $75,000. That's a scary number. Big goal. Bigger God. So I'm going to leave that with you to pray about. All I can tell you is this, saw it with my own eyes, it's real. Nobody's making this stuff up. I want you to picture just for a second. Could you do that with your family? That might be a reason for you to pray. But I saw a family with multiple generations pouring their hearts out and leaving it all on the field, and I got so inspired, just thinking, wow. If I could just serve them. If we could just help them. If we could just come alongside. Because I know something. When they get to heaven, I know for a fact they're not going to be hosting my welcome party. It's going to be the other way around. Do you have any idea what kind of parade heaven's going to throw when the Salmsuk family comes walking through the door? Because of everything they've done. And now we have an opportunity just to come alongside and say, you know what, you're not alone. They asked us the question, why are you people here? They have no idea what we're working on back here. They have no idea what's coming their direction. (laughs) They have not a single clue about what we're up to here on this side of the world. So I'm going to invite you to do something. Would you help me shock our friends? On the other side of the world, would you freak them out, blow their mind and have them go, are you kidding me? Who is this group of crazy Jesus freaks, Bible thumping fools on the other side of the world that's willing to trust us with that kind of work and that kind of money? I'll go first. And I'd love if some of you would join me. So here's the deal. Blue offering envelopes are in your program. You've heard me say it before. This is above and beyond. Doesn't do you any good if you grab what you're already doing, just stick it in another envelope, because then that just tightens the belt in a whole bunch of other areas. But all this is is a simple opportunity to be a part of the last part of Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is Christ the King's way of saying, "Hey, uttermost parts of the earth, we haven't forgotten you." So here's what we're going to do. I'm out of words and my brain is shutting down. So we're going to give back to God our tithes and our offerings. And I want to tell you why we do this again. We do this to declare our dependence on God so that we don't get caught in depending on money. That's why we do this, okay? It's not because the church is broke and it's not because Jesus needs a loan, all right? Just so we're clear. We give back to God our tithes and our offerings because we want to be dependent on the God who does everything. For those of you who've already given online this week, thank you. Thank you. We so appreciate your faithfulness. I also want to say this. If this is your first time here, we don't want anything from you. And I mean that. it's your first time here, we don't want anything from you. Your presence is your gift. In fact, if you're here for the first time, we have a gift for you at the connection point. We'd like to give you something instead of asking you for anything. So if you'd like to head to the connection point, you'll see some smiling people out there. Who say, hey, I'm brand new. They'll give you something. We'd like to give you a gift that you can take home. And we hope and pray that you'll come back and see us again. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Identity Theft. I think spiritual identity theft is rampant in this country. And we're going to do something about it. Hope you'll come back next week. And I'll try to be a little bit more coherent than I was tonight. So the ushers are going to start in the back. They're going to work their way towards the front. And when the offering has passed you by, we're going to sing a song that we sang at the beginning. I like the song because I've been kind of infatuated lately with the wonder of God's creation. In Sicily, you see these beautiful lemon trees everywhere. And I thought, how creative of God to stick bright yellow fruit on a green tree. Because it just... In Africa, we were in one of the poorest parts of the world. I saw the beauty of their joy and their worship. When my African brothers and sisters let loose in worship, they don't give a flying rip what anybody thinks about them. They just dance in front of their king. And I believe their king smiles. So Christ the king might need to cut loose a little. (laughs) Just kick it up a notch. See what happens, you know, Just, come on. Where was the last place? We went to Thailand <laughs> and we saw the beauty of humidity, <laughs> it's good. We also had an opportunity one day on the last day to go to the coast and to go out on the water. We saw something called, you should Google this, they're called the PP Islands. I didn't make up the name. Okay. Out of the center of the ocean, these huge columns of rock that are covered in vegetation and, and birds and caves and limestone. And I'm just thinking, how creative God must have been to think, you know what, out here in the middle of the ocean, I think I'm just going to stack up some islands. I'm going to drop one here, one here, one here, one here, one here. So that a group of tied, tired Americans could come and have a moment and look at the islands and go, wow, that's called wonder.